This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Friday, January 28th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. Before we start, I just wanted to let everyone know that the Across the Country with the College Football Daily series is back for a second season. Throughout this offseason, we will be touching on every single Power 5 team, some group of five teams, and maybe even an FCS team here or there. If you miss any episodes, don't worry. We will have them all for you. You can find them all wherever you get your podcasts or go to Spotify and search for the playlist across the country with the College Football Daily as we have every episode compiled there. We have hit on LSU, West Virginia, and Hawaii so far. Now we head to the Pacific Northwest to the state of Oregon. We travel to Corvallis to talk about Oregon State. Joining me to discuss the Beavers is Carter Baines. He's the senior writer and editor at 24-7 Sports BeaverBlitz.com. Carter, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on. Give me some time today. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I think we talked uh, right before the season started, I, I want to say. And, um, you know, I, I think we talked about expectations for Oregon State's football season. And um, by all accounts, they they met or exceeded all of them. So it'll be good to kind of wrap things up since we since we previewed it a few months ago. Yes, I looked back. We talked, I think, August 18th. So not that, not that long ago, uh, four or five months, if my math's correct, maybe a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, we talked a lot about expectations. And I remember, in fact, asking you what your prediction was for 2021. And I listened back to the episode. You said six and six. They would get to a bowl game for the first time since 2013. Well, look, you were right in the bowl game. They played Utah State, obviously, in the inaugural LA Bowl. They exceeded your expectations by a game finishing seven and five in the regular season. As you look back on the 2021 year, as a whole, is there a moment or two that stood out to you where you really noticed just how much progress the team made in year four under Jonathan Smith? I think there are actually a couple of moments, two games in particular, and I'll, I'll start with the game at USC, where obviously, you know, a bit of a down year for USC. When Oregon State played them, they were still working in uh, the interim head coach, Dante Williams. Uh, they had just fired Clay Helton. But Oregon State goes down to the Coliseum and, and beats USC, snapping a 60-year losing streak at the LA Memorial Coliseum. So I, I know that was that was a moment that kind of st- stood out to, to Oregon State fans as a, hey, you know, we're we're kind of we're doing something here this season. You know, this is that was the Pac-12 opener for Oregon State, and uh, they they had just come off of two wins in in non-conference. So things, you know, Oregon State had a lot of momentum at that point in the season. And I think to go down to LA and beat USC in, in convincing fashion, where that game was really never in question. Uh, it, Oregon State dominated at the at the line of scrimmage and and scored, I, I want to say, 45 points, I, th- I think, off the top of my head on, on a USC team that, well, it might have been a, a down season for the Trojans. You know, there's never a lack of talent there. So I, I think for the Beavers to go down and, and do what they did against the Trojans in a tough environment uh, was really impressive. But then a couple of weeks later, Oregon State beats Utah at home, uh, giving the Utes their only Pac-12 loss of the season. So I think uh, when you look back at, at Oregon State's body of work this year, potentially the best win of the year was beating the Utes um, after getting down 14 nothing in that game to have the wherewithal to come back uh, and, and hold them off late in the fourth quarter, I think was really impressive as well. 
And of course, that Utah team obviously ending ending up winning the Pac-12, played the classic Rose Bowl game against Ohio State. So I want to look at the overall roster and coaching staff now for the Beavers. And specifically with the coaching staff, I want to take a look at the defensive coordinator turnover. Tim Tibisar fired during the season. Trent Bray was named the interim, and now he's the permanent defensive coordinator. The first nine games under Tibisar gave up an average of about 28 points a game. The last three regular season games and the bowl game gave up an average of just under 22. What changed when Trent Bray took over? And what do you think a full offseason with him leading the charge could do for this defense? I feel like defensively, Oregon State started playing a little bit more free when Trent Bray took over. You know, I I don't know the ins and outs of Tim Tibisar's defensive scheme, but what I do know is that Oregon State has had some talent uh, at multiple positions on that defense for the last couple of years, and I think I think it would be fair to say that Oregon State wasn't necessarily getting the most out of its players. Um, so schematically, you know, Trent Bray uh, was mixing up formations. He was throwing a lot of different blitz packages out there in his first couple games as as the interim DC before being named the the permanent guy ahead of the bowl game, and I think you started to see, you know, with, with those blitz packages and with the four, three look instead of the three, four, you, you know, I think the Beavers were, were able to, to kind of throw different things at, at opposing offenses. And for whatever reason, you know, that, that unlocked a lot of stuff um, on the defensive side. So a lot more pressure in the pocket uh, run defense, I, I think took some steps forward in those first couple of games uh, after the switch, but you know, defensively, I, I think the future is really bright for the Beavers under under Coach Bray. Um, he's been one of the best recruiters and one of the best position coaches on this staff the last couple of years. And so I think promoting him to defensive coordinator, given his experience uh, in a couple of stints at Oregon State and as well as uh, at Nebraska, you know, I, I think it's a great move. And um, I, I think the Beavers defense is going to be better for it. So I want to turn to the overall roster now, and I want to look at quarterback. So Chance Nolan, the returning starter, but, and maybe this is not as big a deal as I think it might be, Tristan Jebbia, who was the starter before injury in 2020, returns after missing all of 2021 as well due to injury. So answer me this. Do we have a full-blown quarterback competition on our hands at Oregon State, or is Chance Nolan the guy going into the offseason and most likely next year? It really is an interesting quarterback situation where you have a guy who, you know, for all intents and purposes, is your QB one in Tristan Jebbia if he's healthy. But then Chance Nolan came in and, you know, it really performed admirably. I mean, he was pro football focus's first team all Pac-12 quarterback this year. So, you know, I, I think with a healthy Tristan Jebbia this offseason, you probably will see somewhat of a competition between those two. I think going into spring camp, Nolan is probably, um, you know, he probably has a leg up given that he did just start 11, well, I, I guess 12 games, including the bowl game because he didn't start the season opener um, and and played at a, a pretty high level for most of the season. Um, I, I think he will enter the offseason as QB1, but you know, if Jebbia is healthy, and, and that's still somewhat of an if at this point, I, I think you'll see those two guys compete. But I wouldn't count out some of the younger guys too. Bengal Branson will be coming back from injury as well. Uh, he was a freshman this year. And I, I think, you know, everything I've seen from him in practice um, before he went down with a shoulder injury in, in spring camp was, you know, this is a guy who has the talent to compete for the job. Um, and so whether that's right now or, or down the line, we'll see. But I, I do think that there are probably two or three quarterbacks in this room that could emerge as the starter um, when the 2022 season rolls around. We will talk more Oregon State football with Carter Baines when we come back. It was a very- 
very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Back on the College Football Daily podcast, joined by Carter Baines of 247 Sports Beaverblitz.com. So, Carter, Oregon State loses star running back BJ Baylor to the NFL draft. He led the Pac 12 in rushing last season. Now, granted, this isn't the first time they've lost a top Pac 12 running back. In fact, it happened at the end of 2020 as well, losing Jamar Jefferson to the NFL too. How do they replace Baylor next season? And where are they getting all these running backs from? I mean, you're talking about Pac-12 leader after Pac-12 leader with these last two running backs, both, you know, assuming Baylor obviously goes to the NFL, which all intents and purposes is he will, uh, whether it's by draft or, you know, another avenue. Uh, NFL running backs two years in a row, that's pretty impressive for Jonathan Smith and the staff. You're right. And and really, it goes back really the last two decades, I think, at Oregon State with the running back depth and talent. I mean, you're talking about Ken Simonton, Steven Jackson, Jaquiz Rogers, and, and the list goes on. It, it seems like every year Oregon State has um, somebody who's competing for the Pac-12 lead uh, as, as a running back. And I think you probably won't see one guy emerge next year. I, I think Oregon State will go with somewhat of a you know a, a split running back situation or or a committee bringing back Trey Lowe and Deshaun Fenwick gives them options at that position. Uh, and, and those two guys backed up Baylor this year and, and did a pretty good job when they when they got the ball. Um, Trey Lowe in particular, I really like what he brings to this offense, um, both as a running back and as a receiver. He's you know one of those prototypical all-purpose backs who can pretty much do anything. Um, and, and so I, I think, you know, he's got a chance to, to lead this team as a rusher, but Deshaun Fenwick, the transfer from South Carolina came in and in his first years as a Beaver, um, was, was really serviceable as the, the primary backup to Baylor this year. So those are the two guys to keep an eye on. You know, I don't know if, if one of those guys emerges as a Baylor Jefferson esque you know, type Pac-12 leading rusher. Um, but the Beavers do, they, they certainly will have um, multiple options at, at running back, even in Baylor's absence. So Carter, a couple more from me, and this one kind of a fill in the blank. So first, as of January 28th, a lot of off season to go, the position that worries you most is blank. Defensive line easily. You know, it, it's been Oregon State's weakest position since Jonathan Smith took over in 2018. And, you know, while, while the coaches have definitely emphasized it on the recruiting trail through the transfer portal, you name it, it's it's still just it's not good enough, to be completely honest with you. That is the one position group that's holding the defense back. And I, I think it's probably the difference between a seven win season this year and, and maybe nine wins because Oregon State was close in a lot of games and, and had an opportunity to have a really special season. Um, but I thought too many times the defense held it back. And quite frankly, a, a lot of the time it was run defense or a lack of you know pocket pressure. Um, and, and for the Beavers, that starts up front. So Oregon State really needs to target transfer portal defensive linemen, uh, particularly in the middle of the line. I, I think I think lacking depth and size at defensive tackle is probably the most glaring weakness of, of this football team right now. 
And yeah, you mentioned how the defensive line may have held them back from a potential nine-win season. And obviously you look at the three-point loss to Colorado, as well as the touchdown loss to Washington State as two games that could have possibly, and obviously we're talking in hypotheticals here, but could have possibly swung a different way if the defensive line was, let's just say, more up to snuff uh, than they were this past year. So last one, Carter, an improved 2021 looking for obviously continued progress in 2022. What does Oregon State need to do to take even further steps come next season? I I think you need to see continued improvement under Trent Bray at at defensive coordinator. Um, What he showed in his first two games in particular against Stanford and Arizona State, um, I, I think kind of showed the potential of this defense. And if he can bring that week in and week out next year as the leader, you know, as, as, as the main coach on, on this defensive staff, um, I, I think Oregon State could have one of those special seasons next year. They're they're that close, you know. They're they're right on the edge, and I think you're starting to see in the Pac-12 with the parity of the Pac-12, and you know, with you know Oregon potentially having a down year considering all of the players that they've lost. Um, there are opportunities for for a team to kind of sneak into that next level into the top tier of the Pac-12, and I think Oregon State's right there. So um, if if defensively, if they're able to take steps forward, I, I mentioned the defensive line. You know, if they can bring somebody in um, as an, an immediate contributor there uh, via the transfer portal. I, I think, you know, they're, the sky's the limit for this team. You can follow him on Twitter at Carter Bain, senior writer and editor for 24-7 Sports, beaverblitz.com. Carter, thanks so much for coming on, joining me. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Remember, we are back with the Across the Country with the College Football Daily Series. This is team number four. Many more to go. For Carter Baines, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to another episode of the College Football Daily.